el primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. Yo, when Drizzy dropped that three-pack, I really thought he was trying to save us. I really thought he was trying to save us. Not that he was, you know, getting ready for the rollout or trying to tap dance around some leaks that may have come out or whatever, but I really thought he was trying to save us. I really thought Scary Hours 2, the little three-pack... I really thought Drizzy was here to save us. And you know who I thought he was trying to save us from? Guess who I think he's trying to save us from? At least I assumed anyway. Morgan Whalen. That's who I thought Drake was here to save us from. Morgan Whalen's a country artist. Morgan Whalen um, was videotaped, I think, in 4K, uh, dropping the N-bomb at a drunken party of some sorts. And he's had the number one album for eight straight weeks. <laughs> Can't make this shit up, man. So I thought Drake was coming to the rescue with um, that three pack. Because I assumed, okay, album album's coming, right? It, it needs to come now because this Morgan Whalen train is, is rolling. And uh, now we know what Myers Leonard's listening to, too. Myers Leonard might be solely responsible for that Morgan Whalen being number one for eight straight weeks. He might be the streaming farm. Myers Leonard out here, not dropping the N-word like Morgan Whalen, but dropping the K-word, which I have to say, if you're dropping that K-word, you really, I mean, despite his apology and what he said in his apology, you really got to want to say the K-word to say the K-word. That's not a Freudian slip type of, (laughs) that's not a Freudian slip type of word. Like the K-word has some emphasis on it. That, uh, yeah, I I don't know how the K-word just casually comes out while you're playing COD on what you thought was a private uh, chat. I, I don't know how that happens. I've been telling you about Myers Leonard for a minute now, so there's not too much here I could rehash. Uh, but we talked about him during the pandemic. Uh, we, we highlighted the fact that he stood with his hand over his chest when everyone was kneeling, protesting uh, law enforcement brutality towards black people, Myers Leonard citing, you know, the old trope of uh, bathing himself in military and bathing himself in alleged patriotism by saying, well, my brother's in the armed forces, think he's a Marine or something. My brother's a Marine, so I'm going to stand. And um, now he's out here dropping the K word playing COD. So let these people live their truth. I'm not upset. Now, again, I'm not the community that's offended, but let him live his truth. Just understand that that's who you're dealing with. So when he goes into the locker room and when he goes and he play, he's playing for a team that's in Miami, in the state of Florida, 
understand that that base that he offended it's kind of heavy out here so again he has to face the consequences now i had a few people in a few group chats hit me up asking if they think it's a rap for son and i i don't know what <laughs> i don't know what movies y'all be watching um i don't know what fiction I don't know what what type of uh, story y'all watch to make y'all think Myers Leonard is really going to be up out the paint. Because there's history of this. I mean, off the top of my head, we could go John Rocker. We could go Bill Romanowski. We could go Riley Cooper. I mean, Riley Cooper out here got a contract extension after dropping the M-bomb by your Philadelphia Eagles. So just like Morgan Whalen out here, it's getting celebrated and being rewarded for being drunk and dropping the M-bomb by having a number one album for eight straight weeks. Riley Cooper got rewarded for dropping the M-bomb. So Riley Cooper, John Rocker, Bill Romanowski, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, I could go more because there's been more. They just don't get publicized as much because, yeah. But just just off the top of my head, those are three. Do you remember any negative career ending type of things happening to them? Romanowski still gets to go to Radio Row during the Super Bowl and pitch products. John Rocker has been used as an analyst. I think he wrote a book and Riley Cooper got paid. So, I mean, a, a wins all around to me. That's those are three wins. So, no, nothing's going to happen to Myers Leonard. If you want to get into the whole thing of, well, you know, Deshaun and them had to sit down and hear from that community. Nick Cannon got a, a whole show and thing that he created from from the bottom, took from him and, you know, they quietly added him back. But I mean, you know, you can get into that kind of debate. I don't think that's a debate you're ever going to win against the people who feel strongly against that uh, narrative. So I just refuse to get wrapped up in all that stuff. But people who know know what time it is. We know how Myers Leonard is going to skate. It's going to go away, you know, especially in this society, this ADD society. This story came out yesterday. Yeah, I'd say by the weekend. i say by the weekend or maybe, maybe this time next week. I'll give it a full week. I doubt it. I doubt it, especially since he came out and copped the plea so quick. And uh, his apology included the fact that he claimed he did not know what the word meant. And again, I reiterate to you as someone that has um, a weird thing about me, but it's a thing. I like to learn all the slurs in different languages because I want to know what I'm being called by any culture at any time. So I I know what the words are. I know what the, uh, the, the relative of the N word is. In many different languages. I know what it is in uh, Spanish. I know what it is in Hindi. I know what it is in Punjabi. Um, I know what it is in French. I know what it is in Italian. Like I can I can run them down for you. So I know what I'm being called a slur in, in a different language. Right. But that K word is so strong. <laughs> that K word is different, bro. So the fact that he pulled that out. While playing a video game? I mean, bruh, <laughs> you got to really, I mean, that that is a deep cut. That's not a single. 
the, the K word is a deep cut. So it's 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 interesting that he's copping plea that he did not know what that word meant when that word is such a deep cut to begin with. But anyway, All-Star Weekend happened. <laughs> Yo, Maya's going to skate, man. Maya's going to skate. It's wild. And you know what? Y'all going to see a lot of Myers because I think the Heat are going to go on a run in this second half. Um, th- this is not where I wanted to like initially start, but we here, so why not? Uh, so the Heat have the second easiest schedule the rest of the way. And we know how they've been struggling. They've battled injuries. I think they were low-key just tanking just to get into the playoffs and let Jimmy get as much rest as he can. But they tanked almost too good. And Jimmy had to come back and, like, put on that cape and, you know, culture his way <laughs> to getting them back into playoff contention. So you might be seeing a lot of Myers Leonard. And I'm going to – I wonder what's going to be the conversation in the playoffs if the Heat are making a run and if Myers Leonard is actually getting some run, will anyone have the balls to mention it? Will anyone that's on the broadcast, the broadcast, not studio stuff, you know, Chuck might, might throw a sub out there or whatever the case may be, but I'm talking about during the game, anyone doing play by play or color, are they going to talk that talk and keep that same energy? I doubt it, but that might be something to look out for because the Heat, are probably going to go on a run. I don't know how high they can get up in the standings. Maybe they can get into that four, five-ish range. Maybe. Maybe. Depending how hot they get. But yeah, second easiest schedule the rest of the way. So if you want to play some bets, you want to do some money line stuff, or if there's some futures in terms of seeding, Miami Heat, second easiest schedule the rest of the way. But yeah, All-Star Weekend. Well, an abbreviated version of All-Star Weekend. I will say this. I like the slam dunk at halftime. If it's going to be lesser known players, if it's going to be, you know, to the casual fan, three dudes that they've never heard of for for the most part, I'm not mad at having All-Star, at having slam dunk during halftime of the All-Star game because what are they really doing in the locker room at halftime of an All-Star game? They ain't icing up. They chilling. So, I mean, I think it would be good entertainment instead of getting some cheesy performance from some label that's paid to get that type of slot for an artist that we really don't care about. Like, nah, just let the slam dunk be the halftime show. I mean, that's what it used to be back in the days, like way back, like even before my time. But I'm just saying, I just think as a good entertainment, if it's going to be lesser known players, like I understand the, the the financial of it, if they somehow get Zion next year, in the slam dunk, you're not going to waste Zion at halftime. You want primetime Saturday night ratings for Zion in the slam dunk contest. I get that. So for me, if it's going to be lesser known players who are just getting a shot and not big names who are either in the game or, you know, big enough names that supersede being in the game, then, yeah, I'm not mad at the slam dunk contest being at halftime at the All-Star game. And the three-point contest, that was dope. That was dope. Conley versus Steph. Steph wins it at the end on the last shot. Um, that's kind of become the highlight, right? Like people are down on the slam dunk, even though I think just in terms of creativity, we're getting back to the point of either just seeing dudes who could just jump out the gym, like Cassius and um, Simmons, just having dudes who could just jump out the gym. 
I think the creativity will come back, but it's just hard. It's hard to imagine stuff because it's not like everything's been done, but I mean, almost everything's been done. There's only so much you could do jumping in the air to dunk a basketball. There's only so much you could do. So there is a finite amount of dunks, right? There's only so many times you could jump over someone. There's only so many times you could throw on a throwback jersey from a from a player who, you know, you idolized or, you know, you're going to copy someone's dunk. There's only so many times you could pull that out and I'm still going to give you credit for doing it unless there's a difference. You know what I'm saying? So there is a finite amount of dunks. So the three point has kind of become the thing because of just the the hmm, the marksmanship it takes to be really good at shooting three pointers. It's a skill. It's it's sometimes you can get away with just being a high jumper. You know what I'm saying? Just 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 have the bunnies and you could be a dominant slam dunk person. You know what I'm saying? But in terms of three pointers and shooting the three is looked upon as a a more intricate skill than just being able to jump high. So the three point contest has become a thing. And um, Steph, the fraudulent two time MVP with trash ass ankles, got his second title. And people, you know, are just running with the thing of he's the greatest shooter of all time. He's the greatest shooter of all time. And the last time I checked, Craig Hodges still got three three point shooting contest titles. So, I mean, if y'all playing that game of LeBron got to get more chips than Jordan to be better than Jordan, then I don't know how. I really don't know how. Steph is better than Craig Hodges when he got two titles and Craig Hodges is chilling with three and could have had a fourth, but you know, and keeping the three point conversation going, um, someone reached out and again, thank y'all for always, um, sending me stuff that I may not catch. Sometimes I catch, I try to catch everything. I try to, you know, make sure the timeline is his own point to where, I can catch everything that's going on, but um, someone hit the DMs, pause, and um, sent me a thing saying, yo, check out this, this, it's, it's a full letter network thing, but, you know, check out this podcast, there's some interesting takes on there that, that you might have heard before. So sure, sure enough, I go check it out, and uh, wouldn't you like to, <laughs> would you like to guess what Blue Check Boys are now running with now? Now, all I'm going to say is this. Last week's podcast was called what? Steph Curry ruined basketball, dot, 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 and the Hawks. Where basically, long story less long, I talked about how Steph Curry has ruined basketball because now every team, every player is being forced to shoot threes, even though they're not necessarily good at it like Steph is and teams are copying the Warriors formula or the peak Warriors formula, not the Warriors formula. Now they're copying the Warriors. Everyone wants to be the Warriors. Everyone wants to have a Steph and a clay and KD all bombs away from three all night long. And teams are just, you know, doing whatever they can to be copycats. So the Hawks were one of those teams. So, Teams are over relying on the three pointer. That's always been my thing. That that was my thing when the Warriors were hot. I said, word, this works for them. Their threes are better than your twos. I get it. Like though that's in the archives. You can go back and check that. That shit's from 2016. I've been saying that. 
My problem has been is that every team now thinks they all they need to do is just do it like the Warriors did it, and they'll have the same success. But they got no Steph and no Clay, So they got other dudes out here who are not as good, and they're not getting the same results. But yet the league is trending that way, and now everyone, big men included, has to learn how to shoot threes to keep a job. So now, with that whole backstory out the way, Here's what this Four Letter Network podcast was saying. There's a blue check boy that was on there and he was citing his sources and multiple people throughout the league. And conversations are now being had where there's a pushback against teams relying on the three pointer so much. I mean, it only took him five years. It only took five fucking years to catch something I noticed and said, hey, look, all y'all can't be shooting these threes, man. And now here they are, finally. Even Daryl Morey. (laughs) Even Daryl Morey is kind of now moonwalking a little bit away from the reliance of three-point shooting. I mean, obviously, he has to feel that way. I mean, he has Ben Simmons now, so... But even besides all of that, the same analytics dudes that were out here nerding up the game and making people change the way that they think and change the way that the league evaluates players. Those same nerds are now saying, well, hey, maybe we're doing this a little bit too much. You think? No shit. Like, of course. Like, On average, and this is average, per game, it's almost 100 threes a game. 100 threes a game. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ain't that many good shooters, bruh. You have your specialist, but we've had three-point specialists in every era. In the the 90s, there were three-point specialists. In the 2000s, there were three-point specialists. But now it's... Everyone is a three-point specialist, or at least shooting like they think they're a three-point specialist. And that's why the games don't look smooth. The flow isn't the same. It's it's up and down. It's That's why you had the Jamal Murray four-on-one, three dudes in the corner when you're down by two with time running out. That's why you have that. That's why you have centers that shouldn't be shooting threes, But because the league has adopted this whole thing of threes are better than twos because that's what the analytics say, now backup centers are now out here chucking it up at a crazy rate. Robin Lopez is shooting threes, bro. Robin Lopez, not Brooke, whose whole game was finesse anyway. So I understood his transition to just chucking threes. Robin? He's chucking it up from three? Bruh, it's, it's just funny, man. So... I've been saying this for every year that this pod has existed, that there's too many threes in the game of basketball. You see it in pickup ball. You see it in, in little kids playing ball. Little kids are trying to shoot from half court. You know, it's, 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 I'm telling you, Steph Curry ruined basketball. And I know that that may seem like a hot take to y'all, but it's not. It's clear as day. Like, and one had a run there 
where you could make the case that and one ruined basketball a little bit because then it just became about who got handles. And it really didn't matter. Like the point guard position kind of got whittled away because it became about, well, how, how, how good can you dribble? How good can you dribble? It wasn't about floor leadership being that floor general and being a facilitator and running an offense. It became who can you crack? Who can you crack and go to the rim and get a layup? So you can make a case back in the days how and one for a short period of time, short period of time, ruined the game of basketball a little bit because dudes became all in love with the handles and dudes were dribbling way too much. You can make that same case now that Steph Curry and the way that he has weaponized the three pointers and the long distance he could shoot it from and all of that has ruined the game of basketball. Now, what's going to be the next trend that gets hot and then gets oversaturated and then ruins the game of basketball? I don't know. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. You know, there's been many things that have come into the game and played the game and ruined the game. Flopping. Flopping was hot for, for like a couple years. Flopping was ruining the game of basketball. There's still elements of that in the game, just like there's still elements of over dribbling and handles in the game. But when will the three pointers? I mean, this blue checkboard was giving it up something crazy. He was the, the quotes that he was saying that people around the league saying that they, they we've lost the soul of basketball. <laughs> they've lost the soul of basketball. It says the people with no soul who are using calculators to analyze and evaluate players. They're losing the soul of basketball. That's like Irvin saying we're losing recipes. <laughs> what do I think of Blake Griffin, the Kia jumper, coming to BK? Um, I don't think much of it, honestly. I definitely think he was tanking it in Detroit, and I still, and I tweeted this out, and if you don't follow, you should follow, at the Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. I think his first basket should be a dunk. It has to be a dunk. It has to it has to be something to show what he has left. I don't think his game is all finesse. I know there was a there was a highlight package going around of um him dunking, but that was from early in his uh Pistons run. But I just think overall there's no way that Blake Griffin cannot dunk anymore. I just think he just stopped caring about basketball. He and he stopped caring about playing basketball in Detroit as a Piston because that's a middling, going nowhere fast franchise. So does he bring something to the Nets? He brings the fact that he's the Kia jumper. He brings a reputation. He brings a scoring clout because he's a big, but not really a big. He's a big that's not really a big. And at this point in his career, doesn't play like a big. I mean, you could argue he's never really played like a big, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he used to play a little bit on the block. But now he shoots from the outside. He can hit you with the elbow. Um, He's got the mid range and he can knock down a three. He's a big that learned to transition early into knocking down those threes. So he adds a dimension. He adds some spacing. But is that what the Nets needed? I think the former Piston they should have gone was Andre Drummond. That's the one. That's the one. They get Drummond. Even though Embiid owns Drummond, and if you're a Philly fan, you can still feel like you got a chance against the Nets because Embiid can destroy Drummond, but it's not really about that one-on-one matchup. 
in terms of the Nets getting that. It's just the fact that he'll clean up so much of the other people's mess. Drummond, although not on the same defensive level as a prime uh, DeAndre Jordan or even Embiid, he still is better than what they have, like by a lot. And he's going to, we know he's going to clean the glass. So when you have shooters like Harden, Kyrie, and KD, and then you throw Joe Harris out there, all you need is someone to clean up the mess. That's all you need. And while DeAndre Jordan, who might be the whole D weight of this in terms of putting this big three together, or now big four, if you even want to give it that, you put Andre Drummond in there, that's going to clean the glass. And he's kicking it right back out or he's going to dunk it at the rim. That's what he does. He's tried to evolve his game a little bit. And nah, dog, you're here to just grab boards. You're here to clean the glass. You are a glass cleaner. <laughs> that's 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 his role at 2K. He's, he's a glass cleaner. That's it. In regards to Blake, though, are they going to ask Blake to clean the glass? Because that's not his game. So, again, he's a bucket. He can still score in this league. He can still give you double digits. He can still give you, I don't know if he can give you 20. Although on this team, with the way the spacing works and with the doubles and the, and the over rotations, he might be able to sneak up and get 20 on a couple of nights. But he's definitely a 15-plus guy on this team. I just don't know what you're expecting him to do with this roster, with this current roster. I don't know what the Nets are going to ask him or ask of him in this setting because he's not a defensive player. He's, he's never been that. He's used to being the focal point. He's not going to be that. He's not really a rebounder like that, like not like the Nets need. So well, then what? Now, if you're telling me they're going to stagger him, stagger his minutes for him to run with the twos, like maybe he starts, but the bulk of his minutes are with the twos. So when KD, Kyrie, and, and Beer take a break, any one of those three take a break or are missing, like how KD is missing right now, you're not falling off that much. I understand that. But again, we're talking playoffs. We're talking about a shorter rotation. We're talking about an eight-man rotation. If Blake is in your eight, where is he in that eight? Is he in the starting five, or is he part of the three off the bench? I still think they need a real big. I think they need a real legit center. Like, yeah, I would have went and got Andre Drummond. I don't know if that's going to happen. Allen Robinson's out here trying to trying to break stuff. Who knows? No one really knows. I'll tell you that right now. No one knows. Everyone's got sources. Everyone is trying to find out to break the story first and all that type of shit. But as of right now, I don't know. The people I know don't know. And the Blue Check Boys don't seem to know because they've been real quiet on it. So, And trust, if they knew any kind of inkling, they would be running with that shit to get the tweets popping and get being aggregated all over the place. So that would be a thing if anyone knew. So Dak got his bread and got his bread in a major way. And this is something where you hear numbers and a lot of the NFL contracts are funny money. They're like monopoly money because the total value could be with incentives and bonuses, but it's usually either hard to attain incentives 
or bonuses that are predicated on the NFL calendar and you might get cut before that bonus hits and all this stuff. It's normally funny money. But this DAG shit is a little different. <laughs> this DAG shit is a little different because man's. And, you know, I, I listened to a couple of um podcasts after after the news came out because I kind of wanted to hear the breakdown of the money. I, I don't really care about if they overpaid or if, you know, this now makes the Cowboys their favorite. I, I don't I don't care about any of that yet. We, we had plenty of time to get into who's good, who's going to be bad and all that type of shit. All I really wanted to know is what's the real money? Like what's the guaranteed bread on this contract? So I listened to a couple of podcasts and some of them, which are on popular networks and even the four letter network. Uh, the, the the people talking about just didn't sound that educated on the contracts. They were just going off the balloon math. You know what I'm saying? The $164 million number. They just, they just kept talking about that in the signing bonus, which was $66 million. They were all concerned about that. 164 total, $66 million signing bonus. Okay, cool. But I wanted to know what's the real money? What's the guaranteed bread? Like what's if Dak don't play another game after next year, what's the bread looking like? And uh, thank you to Joel Corey, who is a guy that is a former agent. Uh, look him up, Joel Corey. He's a brother. And um, he knows his shit when it comes to these contracts. So I, re- I retweeted it. I retweeted his podcast episode talking about the DAC contract. Because he broke the shit down in 20 minutes. <laughs> All these other shows, they were dragging it out 40 minutes, an hour. And they're still just talking about the 164 and a $66 million signing bonus. Joe Corey got in and out in about 20 minutes and broke the whole shit down for us. So these are some notes that I took upon on this DAC contract. So this DAC contract, man, he, he, he got Jerry <laughs> with his guaranteed bread. He got, he, he, he got, he had Jerry bent over pause. He had Jerry all out there shaking them cheeks. He had to give it up. He had to give it up for DAC. Dakota got him. Dakota really got him. So let's get into this money. So it's an NFL record signing bonus. There are no deferrals. No deferrals. Now his base salary after two years is still just going to be nine mil. But the contract is guaranteed all three years. All three years because that fourth year gets, gets tricky. But the three main years where the main part of the bread is being paid out is guaranteed by next March. Fully guaranteed. $126 million is the actual guaranteed money part. $126 million. So that's 42 per year. 42 mil per year for Dakota. Now the fourth year, the Cowboys can get out of that contract. But here's the thing. <laughs> and this is how Dakota got him. He made them franchise tag him, right? So now they can no longer ever franchise tag him. So March 2024 will be the next hard date for another extension. So understand, there's no coming back from this for Dallas. They going to have to pay Dakota every time out now. Every single time 
they're going to have to pay that man his money. No trade clause. I know Mahomes has has is the highest paid QB in terms of total. But I mean, 42, 42 per year, dog. I mean, yes, Dak turned down 30, what, 30? Then he turned down 35 because he wanted 40. He wanted 40. Know your worth, kings and queens. Know your worth. He wanted 40. He got 42 of them things. And he's getting 75 M's this year. (laughs) And over the first two years, 95. 100 mil in two years, bro. I mean, look, man, I it's it's it, there's not that much to get into in regards to it. I just love the fact that he got his money and the Cowboys called his bluff. And even with a goddamn broken ankle, he still had Jerry bending over, shaking that ass for cash. One last thing before we get up out of here. So there's a thing that's been bubbling under the surface when it comes to the NFL. And I know we just talked about Dak getting his bread, but again, he's a quarterback. And whether you think he's elite or top five or whatever, it really doesn't matter. Even on a broken ankle, the Cowboys felt they had to open up the vault and get that man his money. So that tells you what they think of him and what they think of the market of QBs out there. So whether you think he's elite or not, 42 of them things for Dakota. But, NFL players are not really feeling the head of their union, Demora Smith. And it's because they're finally realizing they got played in the last CBA. And Demora Smith was out here, you know, making the rank and file guys the priority, focusing on the minimum salaries. They were trying to their main point of contention in the last CBA was getting the minimum up. And while that's cool, it's created a divide because the top players at certain positions that are not quarterbacks can't really max out the way that quarterbacks can. If you're the Dakota of Dean Lyman, you're not getting that bag. If you're the Dakota of DBs, you're not getting that bag. And I know Jalen Ramsey's contract looks crazy, but there's a lot of funny there's a lot of funny money in there. So be careful. So Demora Smith is a little bit under the gun. Not as much as the point fraud in the NBA PA or the MBPA. But the NFL players are low-key starting to circle Demora Smith like, yo, bruh, what's good? Because focusing too much on those minimum contracts. It allowed the maximums to essentially become funny money. There's like monopoly money where the contracts still aren't guaranteed. And you can make an argument that the owners will never cave into that. But even so, even if you know the owners aren't going to fight that, you still bring it up as someone that, you know, was a part of a union in healthcare and used to have, you know, a lot of monetary uh, debates with management even though you know you're not going to get certain things, you still press the issue anyway, just in case they cave. <laughs> so you still just bring it up and make it known that we're not going away. 
You know, where we're supposed to get a three percent uh, raise. All right, we're gonna go in here and say we want five. All right, but you know you're not gonna get five. Yeah, but we might get four. And if we get four, that's more than what we're supposed to get in three. So that's why you still do it. But here's the problem with the NFL PA. Demora Smith had anti-union lawyers negotiating on behalf of the players. I'll repeat that sentence again. The NFL Players Union had anti-union lawyers negotiating the NFL Player Union contract with owners. Right. And that's Demora Smith's background, by the way. So I, I don't know, man. Football is, is uh, I mean, we're, we're loving Dak's contract and all of that, but we're ignoring the fact that, yeah, only quarterbacks get that kind of bag. Like, yeah, now Josh Allen and, and Lamar, God damn, what's Lamar going to get? Is, is Lamar going to ask for 50? I would ask for 50. If I'm Lamar, it starts at 50. If Dakota is getting 42, I want 50. Yeah. Yeah. So those contracts are going to continue to escalate. Those contracts don't matter when it comes to the CBA. Like QB contracts are exempt from CBA negotiations because QBs are QBs. But it's the other positions. How do you cash out from another position? How do you not get these monopoly money contracts where the announced amount is crazy? But then you look at the real money, the guaranteed money. And it's a small percentage of that funny money. You see it all the time. Such and such lineman signs for 90 something million. I'm like, oh, shit, he got a bag. Yeah, it's 30 million guaranteed. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You signed for 90, but you're only getting 30. You got to overperform to get that 90. You got to hit all these incentives, all these bonuses. First team all pro lead the league in this lead the league in that play this percentage of snaps. To get that 60, you can't just get the 60 just being you. As much as Dakota had Jerry bent over, shaking that ass for cash. The owners are doing that to the rest of the players and the players have no further to look and no other person to blame than their own leader of their own union, Demora Smith. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. Uh, you're going to be getting another episode. Uh, I go on my boy Greg Larner's show, The Word with G. ESPN Radio always mentioned him here, and we're going to get him here on the podcast very soon. Um, I'm going to be dropping some of the like the best stubs that I do with him. I go on his show every week for a whole hour, so I'm going to start to chop those up and put those on his feet as well because there's some conversations I'm having there that are different than what I'm saying here. There's some different questions we get we get callers involved stuff like that so pretty soon on the feed matter of fact probably even today on the feed uh if you're listening to this on the day that this drops you'll be getting two pods today you'll be getting this pod and then another pod which is me doing a hawks deep dive and then answering some questions via some callers from a boy greg Larner show on espn radio so check for that as well obviously continue to tune in you see what we're dropping all types of different content I'm getting a lot of good feedback on the tennis interview I did with the guys in Georgia. So, you know, make sure you go follow him and support him because this content's coming real soon. Me and him are having some real strong conversations behind the scenes. And 
yeah, he's 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 coming through with some real content. So be on the lookout for that. Continue to support this platform, thesamd.com, if you missed anything. Holla at the YouTube if you can. Trying to get the subscribers up over there. The Samd Podcast. I'm out.